0: The following was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic through Zoom meetings in accordance with local health guidelines. I'm Mike Maloney and welcome to the CSRM Tuesday Talk a monthly roundtable discussion covering a range of relevant topics in ministry and current events. Let's join Dr. Greg Linville, Dan Stoffer, and Greg English as we hear from international experts in the fields of sports, recreation, and fitness ministry.
1: Welcome again, friends, to uh, another Tuesday Talk with CSRM. We had done this weekly on Tuesdays in the month of May uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And now we're switching to a monthly uh, topical uh, Tuesday Talk. This will always be the last Tuesday of each month. And uh, Dr. Linville and I have kind of worked out the next four months or so of topics and we're really excited about that. And they will always be at noon Eastern time. And we'll keep it to an hour or an hour and 15 minutes or so. And today's topic, we're going to talk about churches with limited resources. Uh, And so maybe. um, And if you could mute yourself uh, if you haven't done so already, that'll certainly help there with background noise. Thank you for that. Um, Maybe you are a a part of a church that doesn't have a, a big budget or a big building, and I think there's some opportunity here for us to learn. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we will introduce our conversationalist today, and we want to keep it like a conversation, so I got a cup of coffee here because we want to keep it casual. Uh, Dave's got his soft drink there, and uh, we just want this to be a conversation together uh, and learning together, so I'll pray, I'll introduce those who will be speaking today, and uh, we will go from there. Join me if you would. Father, I thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Lord, thank you that your church knows no boundaries. And uh, God, that you are doing incredible things. In spite of all the uh, difficulties our world is facing, Lord, the gospel continues to move forward. Lord, I thank you that, uh, God, we can use sports and recreation and fitness to reach people and grow them in your kingdom. Father, I thank you that uh, we we can do that. Even if we're not a part of a megachurch, Lord, even if we don't have a bunch of resources, um, Lord, you can help us to create it. And so I pray for our conversation today. God, that you guide us and lead us. And that, Lord, those that need to hear this uh, would hear it and be blessed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I want to go ahead and uh, introduce um, a couple of people and let them kind of share what they do with CSRM. And then we'll dive in uh, with some questions. So, Uh, Mr. Waddell, we'll start with you. Just go ahead and and, uh, tell us uh, your name and what you do with CSRM. David, I think you're on mute. (laughs) (laughs) What was that you were saying about technology? Yes.
2: (laughs) Sometimes it's limited by the user. Um, (laughs) David Waddell, I'm the executive director at uh, CSRM and also my day job, I teach recreation and sport administration at the
1: University of Mississippi. It's good to see all of you. All right, thank you, David. And then we have Bradley Barnes. Bradley, tell us what you do with CSRM.
3: Good evening, everybody from South Africa. Um, I'm the African continent director for CSRM. I'm overseeing church sports and recreational ministry full-time.
1: Awesome, thank you so much, Bradley. And then our last conversationalist today, you'll see P.F. Myers on your screen. P.F., tell us what you do.
4: Yes, thanks, Dan. It's great to be with you. I'm the international director for CSRM and uh, it's a privilege for me to uh, coordinate our international efforts. We currently have between uh, 15 and 20 international staff and global partners around the world who I work with to develop a church sports ministry Um, movement in their own country. So uh, this is a a topic that's dear to my heart um, because it's a situation that most of our people uh, face. So I'm thankful to be a part of this.
1: Awesome. And this is a great topic and we're excited to dive in. And I just want to encourage you, if you have questions, I have a couple questions that I'm gonna ask here and I think Dr. Linville does as well. But if you wanna send myself, Dan Stouffer, and I'm also with CSRM or Dr. Linville, uh, a private message with any questions you'd like to ask our conversationalist today, we, we can go ahead and ask those for you. And so we'll just kind of, we'll open it up here to the conversationalist. I just wanna uh, ask uh, to a, a church with limited resources. Okay, and that could include budget, that could include maybe not having a formal paid person who's in charge of sports ministry. Uh, let's just start with this first question here. How would you encourage them right now? Because maybe they um, have seen the, the, the church up the road with you know, the huge gym, or they've got a couple paid people on staff. How would you encourage um, those churches right now to continue to move forward with their sports ministry development? Uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll go in this order, we'll go David and then uh, Bradley and PF, but feel free to, to jump in if something uh goes out of that order there all right david we'll start with you
2: there we go one (laughs) of the uh, interesting aspects of uh, limited resources uh in a study that i did for the book here i'll show it sports ministry that wins um it was about a thousand years into the church movement before buildings were even established. Prior to then, churches met in homes in and uh, areas where they could gather together. Um, so, in some ways, what I would say to uh, to churches with limited resources is kind of what God said to Moses when he said, "What is in your hand?" And God, uh, Moses simply had a shepherd's rod. And out of that shepherd's rod, uh, he used that for guidance, for miracles. Uh, Sometimes it's just looking around in your community to find what resources are there that you might be able to partner with or to lease or to borrow. And so just don't be limited by what you don't have. Look at what God has given you.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, David, if you don't mind, in the chat feature to everyone, could you share? um, Oh, Andrew already did. Uh, I was going (laughs) to say that resource, but Andrew's already on top of it there. That sounds like a great book for people to purchase and be able to to use there for sports ministry. Let me throw in, Dan. Dan, there's also another chapter in that book. Let me get the
2: uh, actual title of that chapter because it was written by someone uh, that didn't have all the facilities and budget. It's, um, it's actually titled Possibilities for Sport Ministry in a Small Church. It's a pastor that wrote it uh, in a church of about 50, but he had some people that
1: wanted to do sports ministry, so a uh, good resource indeed. Yeah, it sounds like a great resource, and I, that's really what CSRN's heart is. We just want to be able to, to give you resources so that you can thrive within your ministry, so be sure to check that out there in the chat feature. There's a direct link there. Uh, Bradley, I'd love to hear from your perspective, especially the international perspective, of how you would encourage a church or somebody within the ministry there that doesn't have a bunch of resources, of how they could just keep pressing on.
3: Thanks, Dan. Um, Yeah, I think I can only speak from my own experience, um, my own life, Um, starting with a deflated soccer ball. I think it's important when starting off is to actually— um, first, look at what you have and and then use what you have basically, and not really focus on the outside global church um, That could be very overwhelming, um, but I would say look at what resources you have currently at your disposal, and then also make try and set reasonable goals though because starting over a, a sports ministry with limited resources. Quite often, you have to break down your goal and your vision. And uh, my encouragement would be is to see what resources you have and see what facility you have in your disposal, but, and then plan accordingly. Um, I started on an open field with a deflated ball, and that was my focus for about seven months because that is all that I had at the time. And I kept the focus clearly just basically on what I have at at my own disposal and then use that though. I would say start small and then also plan small as well.
1: Some good biblical uh, wisdom there. You know, we got to count the cost. And sometimes what we have is right in front of us to be able to to do something there. Bradley, I really appreciate that. Uh, PF and, uh, and all your training really around our entire world, uh, how would you or what would you say or what have you said to people who just need to be encouraged to keep pressing on with the sports ministry? Well, you know,
4: this situation is is what most normal churches around the world find themselves in. First yeah. of all, for many parts of the world, um, sports is not something that's widely accepted as a tool for evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Now that's changing, but um, you, you've got, first of all, the resistance of a, of a church that isn't keen on the idea. So they're limited on that perspective and they have to work with their leaders to help them to see the vision and understand the vision. But then on the other hand, you've got um, the church which, which often if it has a facility, it's renting a facility. It doesn't have its own that it's bought, and it certainly doesn't have a sports field. It's not like in North America, where uh, a lot of our churches have access to uh, their own gyms. You have to figure out in your community: is there a sports hall down the street, or is there a parking lot, or is, as Bradley said, is there a field? And so, um, the the reality is that a lot of times I think we're uh, churches are, are hindered by the fact where they say, Well, we don't have uh, facilities. So, um, my advice often is to, um, as David already said, look at what you have yeah. and take what you have and then utilize it. Stop making excuses. And there's um, a little um, kind of thing that I follow that uses the word strive, and strive is. Um, in the in the Bible, there's a couple words using the word "strive," but one is agone, which uh, Greg can speak to uh, more fully than I can. But it's it's to um, to press on in in an athletic competition, you know, to strive to push forward. And that word agone is the same root for our word "agony," which has to do with you know when we get to the fourth quarter and you're out of energy and you feel like giving up. Well, you've got to press through. You've got to strive. You've got to push on to 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 do your best. And so this this strive um, word that I use helps to get started. The first one is to start with God. Pray, fast, and plan. You know, and it's if it's a vision that comes from God, then you've got to pursue it no matter what. Without resources or what, it's 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 got to be something that God lays on your ha- heart. So so figure out what God is calling you to do. Start with him and then pray fast and plan. And then the T stands for target. Target a specific neighborhood or group. Who is God calling you to reach? Is it the neighborhood down the street where there's a lot of gang violence? Is it a, um, the, the single moms? Is it the disabled? Who is it? But God has called you to reach them. And then the R stands for reach out. So be Strategically relevant using sports, recreation, or fitness that that they're interested in. Um, so go after them by 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 reaching out, and then the I is invite. So once you plant, you plan, and fasted and prayed, then target, reach out, and invite. Get them to come. Tell them about it. Go where they are. Um, network, and then the V, which is a little bit further down the road, validate your presence by building relationships, not by just having people pray a prayer, but yeah. by building what we call the two T T22 relationships, relationships of an older man, a Barnabas, a, a Timothy and a Paul. And we can share more about that, but then those relationships are where the ministry takes place. So you want to put yourself in a setting where those relationships are built, built. and then the E is expand your ministry. So as you're being effective, Figure out what works and then expand it. You know, go reach more people, um, train your leaders, um, get other people involved, all those things. So that keeps me online as I figure out what to do. I'm striving. I'm pursuing God. I'm pursuing what he has called me to do. And if he's done that, then I can't make excuses. I can't stop with limited resources. I have to go for what it is that
1: I'm supposed to be doing. That's really good stuff there. If you guys didn't catch that, strive. And um, uh, PF, if you get a chance, could you uh, do a quick recap of that in, in our chat there? Um, I think you said some very practical things there. Um, you don't have to make it too wordy, but just that, uh, that, that philosophy, the following of the steps there in that word strive, I think is, is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, I wanna ask this question here. And again, we'll go in the same order, Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you're just hopping on, um, thank you so much for joining us here for our Tuesday talk. And if you missed anything, uh, this will be recorded. This is being recorded and will be archived uh, later uh, on our website and also social media. And the topic today is just talking about doing sports ministry, recreation and fitness ministry uh, with limited resources. And uh, we've been talking about that so far. Some good things have been shared. And just wanna encourage you, if you missed anything, uh, just to go ahead and, and visit us uh, at, those, uh, at, at our website and the social media channels uh, later, and we'll have this resource up there. David, we'll start with you. Uh, this next question, uh, tell us what you would say to the sports minister um, who is also wearing the children's minister hat, uh, the youth minister hat, uh, groups, uh, outreach, and everything else that the senior minister is putting on their plate. And so their limited, their most limited resource is time. What would you say to them? Because maybe they really feel like I just can't get to the uh, sports the sports ministry. Uh, how would you encourage that person who's struggling with time?
2: Uh, first of all, I would give them my phone number and email address because I've been there, done that, and uh, can can help them with that. Um, I went to a pastor once and told him that I needed my job description. Realigned because I was spending more time on number 17 than I was one through 16 And he said what's number 17 and it was all other duties as assigned by the pastor Um, one of the pet peeves I have one of the sadnesses uh, of our ministry is that uh, people don't put the same credibility in what we do with those that are in grown-up ministries And um, it just irks the daylights out of me. What I would share with a person is what one of my mentors taught me. Frank Hart Smith, who used to be with the church recreation division in the Southern Baptist Convention, taught me this motto. Don't do anything you can find someone else to do for you. And I think that um, finding someone else, it's a fancy way of saying delegate. Find the people in your church, in your circle, that have a passion for a particular sport. Uh, Or for James, uh, he mentioned, in the arts or recreation or in camping. Find the person that has an interest in that and try to bring them along. One hour of counsel, one hour of conversation might lead them to seven hours of planning and of uh, putting things together. So uh, again, it's using the resources that you have, uh, they're present and um, it's a difficult thing because uh, more times than not, when you have those split positions, they'll tell you I want 60% with youth or children and 40% for sports and recreation. And what they mean by that is I want you to do 100% in youth or children and 100% in recreation. So you have, to, you have to help them realize expectations of time. Uh, most folks in these positions are also gonna be a husband or a wife, a mother or a father, or even a single person with um, mental capacities that don't need to be taxed beyond belief. So it, it may take some time management, it may take some planning, but I'd say find the people that have a passion
1: and, and help them help you lead in this ministry. I think that's, I, back to what P.F. Meyer said earlier, I think that is kind of normal for a lot of people in sports ministry. Um, most people don't get to, to focus solely uh, just on sports. And I think, again, if we can find that time, we can find those resources to to use what we have. And oftentimes, like David said, that's people. And as ministers, we, we know, according to the scriptures and what Paul said, uh, we are to be, you know, getting just the information out to the saints, uh, equipping them so that they can serve well and so that we can actually uh, get ministry done. Um, and so we need other people to, to join us in that way. Um, I would love, Bradley, if, if you don't mind answering the same question, just in your experience and what you've seen, how would you encourage people Um, who are just overwhelmed with a lot of different responsibilities in finding what they have with time to continue pressing forward in sports ministry.
3: Thanks, Dan. Yeah, um, I think from an African point of view and and more smaller point of view and coming from a background where there are limited resources, um, there's often a response from the elders or the leaders or the pastors from the churches that, okay, if they do support the sports ministry, they would often just tell you to run with it, meaning you're kind of out there on your own. you got to find your own volunteers. you you got to find the resources by yourself. Um, especially in the smaller churches, the focus is more, what I've experienced, the focus is more to grow the church than to add on other ministries, for example, to add on sports ministry. And, Often it can be very overwhelming. You get somebody that's very excited. They see the youth not doing much in the church and they get stuck in a point where they have to do the administration, they have to do the fundraising, they have to find resources. And often it kind of quickly tend tend to put you in a place where there's total burnout or you become discouraged. Um, And hence, I said in the beginning, start very small um, obviously, get the buy-in from the church leaders. But I would really, my encouragement and my advice would be, would be that you know, before even starting, make sure that you do have a team. Like, for example, start with a prayer team. Just get the elders or or people around you that has potentially the same interest. Just to start a prayer um, prayer group once a week. But then following on to that, actually starting it though, it would be a point where you would have to make sure that you have volunteers by your side because from a small church's point of view, there are not much more members. Normally small churches rely on the pastors to just lead as they grow in their faith and then also grow within the church. And then adding sports ministry out to that though um can sometimes be a challenge to the pastor itself. Um, often in Africa, they love sports and smaller churches try and see sports or as, a, as a way for a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon get-together, play around, and not much more Seen looking deeper into that as being a place of evangelism or place of discipling people coming together. Um, so very overwhelming at the start, but my encouragement would certainly be and, and my advice would be that, you know, start off very small with a prayer team, and make sure that when you do get the go-ahead from the church is that um, just start off with what you have and just encourage people as you go along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, something that Bradley said there that is just so so foundational is because we're all go-getters, right? Uh, many of us are athletes or former athletes, and we like to get things done. We like to dream big. Um, but don't miss what Bradley said. He said, start with prayer. And we know with a lot of prayer, there's a lot of power. With little prayer, there's little power. And I think so often, because we're doers, uh, we just dive in um, and we could we could miss the vision that God has for us in sports ministry um, by by praying. And, and then something else Bradley said that I think is so very important. And I remember having lots of conversations with people uh, on different staffs that I was a part of and it's, you know, start small. Uh, we have a a saying here in the States, you know, how how do you eat that elephant? Well, one bite at a time, right? It just it just takes time and you do what you can. PF, I'd love to kind of hear how you've coached people who are on the verge of burnout and trying to figure out how they can develop a sports ministry with with little time margin. Uh tell us what you've shared with them.
4: Yeah, well, you guys have given a lot of good um Feedback and information already. And I just would reiterate some of the things that have already been said, but um, there's, there's some gentle warnings that I um, That I cover or that I encourage. And yeah, the first one is um, pray and ask God for help to find a balance between reality and faith. Wow. You know, sometimes we want to do great things. um, But the reality of our situation allows causes us to work um, In a different way. So, so that's important. Um, and then I have a, there's a a book that I would encourage you, um, kind of selflessly. I I'm promoting it because of the value. It's, uh, the book that I've written, the life of the shoe sports outreach for the world. We talk about our sports ministry pyramid and, um, what happened is, um, I was involved in sports ministry practically for a number of years and um, I, I, my, my vision was to make disciples, but I, I was working hard and I looked around for, uh, you know, my disciples. And after some time, there were no disciples and I got angry at God. I'm like, God, come on. I'm giving all this time for you. What are you doing? Well, of course, the problem wasn't with God. The problem was with me. And so he brought me back to this, what I call the sports ministry pyramid, and it helped me to focus on what was really important, and that's what we call um, evangelistic disciple making. And the process is that we win people for Christ, we build them up as believers, we we uh, send them as leaders, and we help them to become multipliers. And so, um, focusing on this on this pyramid kind of helps you to intentionally stay on target with what we're called to do which is the great commission and so um i can um explain that further maybe a little as we go on but also it's all outlined in the book that is um very practical and then as bradley said start small Um, don't you you want to maybe reach the whole world but you've got to first reach your your own community or wherever god is calling you to reach so So don't let your grasp out exceed your reach. Don't give up easily. Um, Whatever the struggle is that you're in, if God has called you to this, then keep going. Keep pressing on um, because there will be opposition. There will be challenges. But is this something God has called you to? If so, yes, Uh, then keep going. Um, Gradually expand. So um, as God uses you and you see success, even in the smallest thing, um, look for ways to grow that, but then stay faithful to your goals. Work to develop people, um, work to develop those relationships, and um, don't, don't give up. Keep, again, that word strive, keep going, and you will begin to, uh, I think, see success maybe not in the eyes of the world with hundreds of people coming to faith right away, but as you're building on relationships and as you're focusing on people, then you come back to what's really important. And that helps uh, with the perspective, I think, of, uh, of, you know, staying on target, staying grounded, not becoming so uh, overwhelmed or focusing on what other people are doing, but just on what God is calling you to do.
0: Well, encouragement from all of you. And uh, again, welcome to those that have joined a little bit late. Uh, some are still coming on. And we'll take a pulse peak, kind of a uh, not quite halfway through our time together. Uh, just so you can anticipate, we, we schedule 75 minutes for us to be together. And if you are coming on late, please do mute yourself when you're not talking. And also, there's just. If you're unfamiliar with Zoom, uh, there's different screens up in your right hand, upper right hand corner. You can choose a different look. You can have a speaker view that would give the person who's speaking a larger size on your screen. Or you can have a participant view and uh, you can go back and forth between those views. You can also chat to each other individually. uh, If you would uh, just make sure that you're on the particular person, and then uh, chat whatever individual message. And also for any of you that are interested in asking questions to our conversationalist today, chat either Dan over or myself, and we will get those questions to them. And then if you could also put beside your name where you're at in the world, where, where, where are you located? Uh, that would be of help as well, just as we connect with different people uh we typically have about half of the people uh in the united states and half from other countries around the world and that's true again today so that's a little bit of housekeeping and the question i'd have for each of you and let's reverse it start with a pf and then move backwards what are advantages that you have found to not having facilities to not having resources what are some advantages that 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 you have seen the churches can have a gain for the gospel because they don't have facilities or lots of equipment or even lots of people PF, yeah that's
4: yeah that's a that's a great question and it's great to look at this as a positive because in many ways I think it is a positive but you know we come at it from a negative perspective because we always think or oh, we're taught that bigger is better and that's not always true and I've, I've found that um, what's happening more and more is it's allowing um, Christians who love sport or who are using sport to become even more relevant in their culture. In, in many countries, there's a, a stigma about the church or about religion. And so the, there's a, a disconnect when you ask someone to come to your church because of the fact that they've um, they've had a negative experience in their church and they've been pushed away. Or maybe they're, they have an other foundational beliefs that are not Christian beliefs, so they think, oh, I don't want to go there. Well, by, by going out into the neighborhood, into the community, you're um, doing what we're supposed to be doing with the gospel anyway. We're being incarnational. You know we're going where they are and we're building relationships and um we we have a a concept that uh we're using more and more and it's called uh, missional sports communities and that is that we go out and we establish a community of people who come together around the idea of playing some form of sport recreation and fitness and you develop a community out of that group and it can be for some churches it can begin the formation of a small group, or it can even be the beginning of a church plant in a community where there is no relevant witness for the gospel. And so not having facilities in a way um, frees up the church and the ministry and the sports person to go and just take the gospel um, where they are to uh, connect with people who again normally may not be as open to coming and being a part of a church that meets in a building with that understanding of um what we typically believe or or think about as as a church because they're they're surprised that you actually have a believer who goes out and is sharing Jesus and building a relationship and it's not connected with what they what they might call as you know, religion, which is what turns people off. So that would be my main uh, point.
3: Really? Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Well, there's a lot of positives, and and it's true what what, um, what um, Paul says about um, we look. We always tend to start this on a negative with a negative mindset. Um, smaller churches, less. Rest- often first see it as a challenge because they, they would obviously just think they don't have the finance. The benefits that, that I've experienced and, and what I still love about it is that um, when there is no resources and there is limited space or movement to try and use sports as, as a tool to share the gospel is that people often come together and, and try and apply, I would use the word, apply their faith as to how do we go about using just one sports field for 200 churches in a community where i come from and the wonderful thing about sports ministry is that it actually develops this active faith like lifestyle where where you actually need to do something to, to to actually set it off though um where church is more about sitting there, getting fed, and then going out and trying to figure out that in your own little world, in your own life. Um, the other benefits of not having much resources is that um, people would often then look at you as in, so what are you going to do? And once they see you striving and the, the fun thing about in Africa, where it comes to starting out small with less resources is that you have to go knock on the next door, on the neighbor's door. We have to knock on the next church's door which often in the global world every church is in their own little corner and with limited resources the benefits that I've seen happen is that we actually use that as almost like a platform to just engage with another religion with another belief system and then come on a common ground of sports coming together playing some football or soccer um kind of Opens up that barriers that has been there for decades where people see sports outside of church. And, and normally that link is not there because it was never built into what church is about Though, Um, So the other benefit I would also say about that um, having less resources is that it kind of draws you closer to God you got to rely more on him. you got to rely more on prayer. you got to spend more time in prayer to figure out how this will happen. And hence I said at the very start is that having that strong foundation with the prayer team. Thanks, Gary. David.
5: Um,
2: the, the first thing that came to my mind, and I apologize that my mind goes in this way, but my first thought was, I don't have to mow the field I don't have to sweep the gym. I don't have to worry about locking the doors. I don't have to worry about the air conditioning going bad. Um, That's someone else's problem. And because of that, uh, my concentration can be completely on training coaches, enlisting people to play, enlisting people to lead, and I can invest my life into them. I, I take away all of that facility management I can concentrate on ministry first and foremost. An extension of that to me is also when I host the league, if I'm in a church that has facilities, a field or a a gym facility, uh, I'm getting everyone to come into me and I'm limiting in a lot of ways who I, who I do a ministry touch with. If I have to borrow a school gym, I'm not, not only ministering to the people that are coaching and playing, I'm ministering to the administrators of a school system that's letting me use their, their gym. And it may be that I trade our church's auditorium for their graduation, but we, we have a relationship we're connecting with. When I go to a, a YMCA to see if I can use their fields, it creates another connection of ministry touch. And so I've been in both situations. I did an internship in Little Rock in a place without facilities and fields, I've worked in churches with fields and facilities, I'm almost thinking it's it's easier, it's better uh, to not have facilities. You, you can find a place to play without having to be in charge of um, some kind of a center. And uh, I know, uh, James, you administrate a facility, you're probably feeling some of this pain Uh, Right now I see guys behind you cleaning and sterilizing ping pong tables. And so you, you, you live that uh, each and every day. So sometimes it's more advantageous to not have one, just my two cents.
0: Well, I, I, I'd like to piggyback on that, David, because I know when I, I was the sports minister at a local church for the better part of 20 years. And we had a very small facility for most of that time. And as a result of that, we had to go out and beg, borrow, steal, rent, whatever other facilities out in, the, out in the community. And on any given night of the week, we would have five other facilities that we were, so I mean, we were literally all over our community. And, and one of the advantages to that was that people that would come into that other athletic facility or, or gym or, or field. They, they would get connected with us because they were comfortable with that setting, even if they weren't comfortable with our own where we would normally worship, have a traditional worship on a Lord's Day morning or evening. And that gave us so much access to so many other people. And then when we built a larger facility and didn't need some of that, it was uh, about two to three years and we started to notice that some of our numbers were dropping participation numbers and that definitely our numbers of, of connecting with those who were far from jesus and his church were dropping and and so i think that my encouragement would be for those and in some ways this would be more of a first world problem but uh, I would encourage those churches that have huge facilities and do a lot of stuff in house to try to intentionally go to outside facilities and places so that they can be in contact with some other people. And I know that that's, that's been helpful to a lot of people. Now, again, before I turn it over to Dan, I'll just say that again, within the CSRM family, we find that on about half of our folks on these particular uh, Tuesday talks are international, and we've got a number of different continents represented around the table. And about half of our folks are from the United States. And so we're trying to balance these issues, but there are some commonalities in this. And and in this way, whether you have a facility or not, I would encourage you to to investigate and intentionally try to use facilities that are not your own so that you can have that contact. I'll give you one example of a Ultimate Frisbee League. And the Ultimate Frisbee League from a particular church, they decided that they were going to have just kind of, of a, uh, uh, I've forgotten the term here, uh, but, but you never knew where the Ultimate Frisbee League was going to take place until a few hours before. And then they would post it and then this flash Ultimate Frisbee League would show up at a park or a, an open spot, and hundreds of people would show up. They would put these little cones out, you know, markers out on, on, on these open spaces and play their league. And then a couple hours there, they'd be gone. And the next week, they'd be to a completely different area in, in their community. And the parks and rec people in that community couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and yet, they, they, and, and every, every week, they attracted new people into their league because they did that. So sometimes not having a facility is an advantage. To you.
1: Dan, take it from here. Completely. Guys, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing uh, some great things there. Uh, before I ask my next question, uh, Bradley, I think you wanted to kind of say a few more things here before we get to the next question. So, Bradley, take it away. Yeah.
3: Thanks, Damon. Well, I just want to spin off from from what Dr. Greg Renvo was speaking about. There is that at times, you know, we we're talking about limited resources, and some with mega facilities like James I can see in the background there. Um, but I think something that that we should probably think about, which is relevant now, is how do we even use facilities or even limited resources and, and facilities. During this global pandemic of, of COVID, um, where possibly big buildings are gonna be standing probably empty or limited resources, little fields outside would probably not be used. For example, in in Africa at the moment, you know, um, cases are, are rising and physical activity is limited. And a benefit of that would be it will cause us as Christians to be very intentional. About going to the next person, and also very, it kind of forces us to be more intentional about thinking about how we're we going to go about doing ministry instead of just going about the normal routine Monday to Friday. Um, so something interesting that that I would also want to um, just share on this platform is that um, kind of this global pandemic might be a very negative thing with hundreds and thousands of people dying but also think about it gives us a time where where we should actually just try and focus more on what is God doing everyone's asking to ask them
1: yeah i think i think you said some good things there um it's it's forcing us i think to look at and hopefully emulate the acts to church um you know, many churches are not able to gather in their building and so they're pushing content out or resources out so people can meet in smaller groups or homes and um, hopefully when this clears up, uh, we, we keep that focus uh, to look more like that Acts 2 church. So Bradley, I think you, you offered up a great challenge there. Uh, Dan? Yep. Let's, uh, I know James
2: is sitting in a facility. Can we get him to respond to how has the COVID crisis impacted uh, what he's doing with, with facilities? Absolutely.
5: So just like every other church, we're pushing content um, out. So we have a, a fitness program that uh, we're doing a lot of classes online. Um, we're the, the work that you saw in the background, we're getting ready to open on Monday. Um, our our fitness facility we're doing, our sports camps outdoors. But probably um, one of the most significant things that has happened with us, and it happened before COVID, um, our our pastor talks to us about um, we we do ministry three ways. We invite people here. We invade. We go to country club, community, manor, um, where we minister to that group. Or we invade. We go to, to for us, uh, the Fox League basketball uh, league. And so um, what we're planning, preparing to do is to not have our own church program here, but to go to the community program to train our coaches to do sports ministry within that setting, understanding that they don't have halftime devotions and, and that sort of thing. Um, but ministering, developing coaches so that they can develop players and parents, and within that that community, now what happens is our facility now becomes a community facility available to that that league as well. Of course, it's a, um, a the opportunity for us to have home games, and um, but but we're not isolated our plan is to not be isolated and, and just like everybody else, we're waiting for what COVID will do to that league, you know, and to, are we going to play this fall or are we not going to play this fall? But uh, we're, our, our mindset is completely different about what we're trying to do. And, and uh, it, for us, it forces us to, to really develop coaches in a different way so that that we're, Invading our community.
1: That's some really good stuff there, James. If if you're able to, uh, could you share a link in the chat about some of the resources, uh, especially the content that you guys are pushing out there? Maybe it's something that we could all borrow from or learn from. Uh, we, we'd really appreciate that. Thanks for uh, for sharing that. Um, I think the next question I'm going to ask, and if you have a question that that you would like either myself or Dr. Lindell to ask, please uh, private chat one of us and we'll ask that for you. Um, PF, we'll start with you, but I think this really, uh, this most recent conversation sparks this question here, is uh, how do you encourage people to partner? Because if you don't have a lot of resources, or even if you do with what James just shared, uh, what is the importance of partnering and, and how do you encourage people to partner when it comes to sports outreach? Well, partnership
4: is is one of the key foundational principles for what we are trying to do within the international scope of, of CSRM because we, we recognize that um, we are not the experts in everything. And, you know, our training and and what we do is really based off of what we call our three-tier paradigm the the three lot the theological truths philosophical principles which lead to the methodological models and simply put it's um, we want everyone to understand the theology behind what they do that they, God indeed can call you to sports ministry because of um, what we read in scripture and having a strong theology is important which leads then to a proper philosophy, and the philosophy is, okay, why are we doing what we're doing, and is it just that we're getting together to have a nice activity, to play a game, or are we truly using it for evangelistic discipleship and accomplishing the Great Commission? And then those two lead to our proper methodology, and the methodology is often where we focus in sports ministry, what we do. And so what we do is different across cultures and across the world, and even though soccer is king, no matter where you go, um, often it's not the only sport that's being played. For example, you know, in India, it's cricket or from Madagascar, it's a form of cow wrestling, which I'm still trying to get David into. But, you know, that's another story. But um, the the point is that we don't know everything. And we don't know the the context of the culture or the situation. and we don't have um, all the experience in every area so we need each other we depend on each other and because our focus is on um, the theology and the philosophy well then i i'm not an expert when it comes to a lot of the hands-on coaching aspects of uh, leading a team although i've done some coaching before but if you want some some points on coaching um, in a specific sport or coaching players well then I can give you some advice, but it's better if I can put you in contact with other people, other resources um, that may help you a little bit better than I can. And so um, the whole idea of partnership though requires us to be humble, that we have to first of all admit that we don't have all the answers and, and that we're not just in this to build our kingdom. We're not building our kingdom at all, we're building God's kingdom. and. Because of that, we we recognize that we do have different gifts, and we talk about those gifts as it relates to utilizing those in the church. Well, it's the same concept in sports ministry, that many of us have different gifts in sports ministry, and so we have to tap into those and be willing to share, be willing to connect people, be willing to uh, be be humble and um, not not hold on to people or contacts but to recognize that if God is working then we, maybe we're just a part of the puzzle that God is building in their life and in their ministry so to to do our part to use to give our puzzle but then let someone else come in and give their puzzle as well so it's it's very foundational especially especially in this day and age because we're all learning together none of us have been through this pandemic before we don't know what to do. There are no experts anymore. And so we really need to come together to share, to discuss, to to plan, to listen to people, you know, like James, who who are coming from one perspective and from uh, Bradley, who's coming from another perspective and Greg and all these people. So I think it's a beautiful time for us as a church to come together and and uh, really invest in partnership.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you said a, a key phrase there, PF, um, being humble. You know, as, as I look back on, on my ministry and uh, very specifically in sports ministry, it was partnerships and being humble enough to say, all right, what's First Friends doing uh, and, and how can we partner? What's, what's Young Life doing and how can Young Life benefit our church and how can we benefit Young Life? And um, I know some people on this call, you know, maybe you're in a a softball league with other churches and maybe it's a a a city league and so you're able to be light and darkness and partner together and and just be different and especially if if you don't have facilities uh partnering together uh can be a really good thing um before we jump into uh having david answer the same question here i just want to remind you about the upcoming tuesday talks so the last tuesday of every month we will do what we're doing right now with the exception of july um, just because that's usually a a busy time for people in terms of travel and whatnot so we won't meet next month we'll meet again in august and i'll share the topics of the next uh, four or five months or so if i can pull them up here in august we're going to share uh like we are right now with this conversation it's going to be called the covid comeback Uh, we're going to be talking about reopening plans uh, hopefully by then Uh, We'll know more we may not who knows Uh, but we're going to hear from some people on what they have done Or what they are doing when it comes to their (coughs) sports and reopening in September. I'm really excited about this Uh, Dr. Linville and I are working behind the scenes. Uh, We're going to talk about special needs ministry uh, when it comes to sports recreation and fitness outreach and and how that partnership together can really reach more people in october we're going to talk about that personal and professional development for the sports minister Uh, that's obviously near and dear to our heart here at csrm we just want to make sure people are poured into so they can be the very best that they can be and then in november uh, we're talking about from the field to the sanctuary Uh, we're going to highlight that going into january as people uh, begin to make goals and their resolutions, uh, just having a very intentional plan at the end of the year before January hits so that we can reach more people. And so those will be coming up here soon. So just pay attention to our website, to our social media as we, uh, we kick that out. And again, usually the last uh, Tuesday of the month with the exception of July and probably December too because of Christmas. All right, Mr. Wildell, we'll turn it over to you. Uh, Tell us about partnerships and why that plays an important part in uh, doing ministry without a lot of resources. Um, It it just
2: gives a great
1: opportunity,
2: uh, as we've said in some other uh, aspects today. Just gives another opportunity to establish a a ministry touch. Letting a school use your auditorium for graduation in exchange for their gym gives you a connection with the school. Um, I've heard of churches that have made partnerships with uh, community and city sports leagues where they would uh, uh, um, Have prayer partners for each team who also then sponsored ice cream parties and stuff. So there's just some kind of a reach. They're just partnering with a, a city type of league. Uh, We had the fortune I had a facility at this particular place and across the street from the church a a hotel opened up that had a pool but no fitness facility and so we partnered with that hotel for the use of uh, their pool for aerobic water aerobics or swim classes during what would be pretty much off hours for a hotel pool and in exchange their patrons could simply show a room key, fill out uh, a form for us, and they had access to our fitness facilities. And out of that partnership, um, uh, some, some great contacts were made there as well. I continued at that same church to connect with a grocery store that uh, uh, was established right next to it and a couple of other businesses. And uh, someone said, you're not gonna invite the liquor store to uh, come use our facility, are you? And I said, most especially, I'll invite the liquor store. Now, being a Southern Baptist, I still had to go out of town to buy mine, but, um, <laughs> no, it, it just, uh, why, I mean, the liquor store folks were shocked like crazy. Like, why are you coming and asking us if we wanna use your facility? We could have gained nothing from that partnership except good relations, and and so it's, it's a valuable, It's a valuable connection to the community. One of the fears I have for the church and for modern Christianity is that we are known more for what we're against. And um, so this is one of those ways, I mean, if you let someone play with your toys, you're a friendly person. And so I think, Relationally, uh, it just makes sense to partner with the community to, um, to get folks out there.
1: Absolutely. Some, some good stuff there. And I think it, it's it's all about just kind of um, getting outside of those four walls and, and letting people know, hey, just like, like David said, the church is for you, not against you. And in partnerships, boy, we can get a lot done. And um, Bradley, would love to hear your perspective on, on partnerships especially at the international level, and, uh, and how that can help people without a lot of resources.
3: Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I think the word partnership um, is is quite broad when it comes to um, Christian talk. And, and often, um, we've seen all around Africa, you know, when we do talk about partnership and, and we do talk about the mega facilities that other churches have on on other continents, um, often partnership gets seen as, what do you want from me or or what can I gain from you? And I think it's it's important, and, and um, PF um, touched on that though, saying that, uh, you know, our focus a lot of times in partnerships is how, you know, um, and and not on why. And the key thing for me in partnership um, coming through all these years of, of ministry and seeing how. Um, churches on the African continent look at partnership. Is why are we partnering? Um, most of the time, the focus um, is not on making dedicated disciples for the long-term process. It's more about how how can me in South Africa connect with James? I'm going to make an example. How can I use what he is using in his facility or whatever he has left for that financially? Or how can he tag that along to us? And I think in partnership, for me, it's key that we, that we keep, especially us as believers, that we keep our focus more on how do we enrich each other? How do we, how do we sharpen each other? And what does James have there that, for example, is not working when it comes to one-on-one discipling, where in Africa we are very focused on, and we're very bold about sharing the gospel one-on-one without thinking whatever somebody else's opinion will be. And partnership, from from an African point of view, um, and I think globally, we should be talking more and thinking more about how do we get the global church to be more dedicated in discipline and evangelism and not merely looking at the monetary value of, of the partnership itself. It's like James sends a team over to me and, and they experience a different culture. Um, and yes, we do sports outreaches and we do that in exchange, but how do we come together? How do we unite in partnership, as in different cultures, different backgrounds, different upbringings, to make the gospel known? And and most of the time, my experience is that our focus tend to shift from the Bible to what do you have that that, that I can gain, what I don't have, what what I can unfold, and I and my. My understanding and my encouragement when it comes to partnership um, to everybody listening is that let's keep our focus on how do we partner so that people can stay partnered with Christ Jesus.
0: Love it, Bradley. And uh, there's a couple of housekeeping things here as well to, to remind you of. One is that if you have topics that you would like us to have these Tuesday talks cover, something that's really uh, could be helpful to you as you try to reach those who are far from Jesus and his church, let us know and we'll try to incorporate those. The other thing is, if you have not been paying attention to the chat room, please go to that chat room because there's a lot of the things that have been said that have been reiterated there. If you didn't hear the audio, you can see some of that. And there's also a lot of the contacts and networks and ways to, to get some of these books, uh, how to how to watch this in a future in an archival way, and it will also connect you with our weekly podcast that are about 20 minutes in length. They are not live, but they are archived, and then you can use them in classes or share them with other staff members of your church or your leadership at, at your churches. This would be good for your staff meetings. Uh there's all these resources out there. And and also, we'd like you to know that, that we have blogs that are out there. There are new books that are coming out all the time. Um, and so just please get in contact with us in any way, shape, or form. We do go to quarter past the hour. Um, that is for all of us except uh, our good friend in Nepal, who's already three quarters past the hour. So I'm not sure when it ends for you. Uh, otherwise, we're all we, we go with a 75 minute time frame here. I'd have a, uh, a, a my last question for the for the conversationalist today is what about having a lack of resource in terms of people that you have limited amounts of people either as leaders or as congregants or what have you. And what's your thought about allowing some other people uh, from other congregations, even other denominations or even perhaps those that are today not a dedicated lifelong disciple of Jesus. How would you answer some of that in terms of uh, uh, limited resources with people? Any of you, jump in.
4: Well, I'll, I'll start, I guess. Um, so I think a lot of times we, again, focus on what we don't have, and that hinders us, and it keeps us from stepping out. And I remember I was training a church in, in Eastern Europe, and they kept coming at me saying, well, we don't have people. We don't have people. And, and I said, okay, well, let's start doing something. And so I met with the two leaders from the church, and we started planning something, and we planned um, – I think it was a soccer tournament and before we knew it there were more volunteers than than they had ever expected but it was simply because uh, we had started doing something and i like to say that people don't like to push the train when it's going uphill but as soon as it clears the top of the hill and starts going down the other side everyone likes to jump on and that's what happened as soon as they saw something was happening this was a small congregation and but Coming, People coming from, from everywhere that they had never expected or thought would be involved. And these weren't just sports people. These were sports people who were providing snacks or prayer or, you know, just coming out and sharing and connecting with people and talking with people. And so I think the, the, the number one thing is don't be limited just because you say you don't have, but start to do something and then watch God provide. And yeah, I think some of those people can be people who are not necessarily um, fully walking with Jesus or even have an understanding of, of God yet, but you're inviting them in to be a part of it. And you can put them in roles that are helpful, like maybe they can uh, help set up the field or maybe they can do you know tasks that don't require a lot of spiritual maturity but are still um, helpful. I love the movie Hoosiers. If you guys remember that movie— you know, the coach got the, the father of one of the players to come and help who was actually a town drunk. And in the end, you know, there was a big, it was a struggle, it was a battle. But in the end, you saw a positive impact that the coach had on the on the father, because he didn't dismiss him and necessarily pushed him away, but he allowed him to contribute at a, at a level that he could. So that can be um, a platform that begins to allow you to speak into that the life of that person who doesn't know Jesus, but who begins to see in a new way the gospel actually lived out. So, um, those are some some key things that I've seen happen and 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 work.
0: Bradley or David, quickly.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Greg. So true what um, Peter Ford was just saying about uh, that. I've experienced where um, I've used gangsters, I've, I've used unemployed people just walking around the street just to kind of just assist. And normally they would be my key people other than the people in the church. Nine out of 10 people that are at home, people that have nothing to do, feel so unwanted. You know, the fact that we as Christians, we when we think sports ministry, we think sports outreach. We we tend to think that it has to be people within the church that, that need to do it. And um, over the years, I've I've been blessed to see how what you call non-believers, you know, feel the self-worth, you know, this this worth living, just because somebody gave them a time and day to probably set out the field, as as Jonathan said, or or, or just kind of just. Let them do the admin work, etc. But it's important. And, and the benefit of this is that, you know, we often use the term, and like John, like we all heard that we try and always first start on the negative. But if you look at what we have around us and, and, we, and we acknowledge people around us, there's lots of support around us outside the church, even. And I've seen how non believers have started a relationship with God, with Christ Jesus before even entering into a church building. And that was merely by us just being one-on-one with them, being very intentional because of the limited resources, not being able to use a sports facility where we actually had to just go to them and, and use what they have as well. And it's, I want to end with this is that we have to look at each other as something that is worth living for. A lot of times we say we have limited resources, but if you start engaging and building a relationship, which is what what God wants us to do, you'll find out that that person that doesn't have a lot of finance or a big facility or a church is actually has so much wisdom or outside knowledge of how things can go, but practically though. um, And I normally seek what we would call a person of peace where somebody that, that, that has that self-belief in themselves, but also have that peace, knowing that they can offer something to society. David?
4: and Oh, I would add that this idea of person of peace is the, uh, well, if you're talking about an official term, it comes from Luke chapter 10. And I talk about this in my book, again, that we need to be looking for persons of peace, people who, who God is already working in their heart but they may not know him yet and they may not be ready to accept Christ yet, but they're open for us to invest in their life. They're open for us um, to invite them into what we're doing through sports, recreation, and fitness. And so it's a key concept that we're using around the world. This idea of a person of peace, again, from Luke chapter 10. And so there's a lot more that could be said about that, but um, it, it from the West, you know, we, we often wait to invest in someone's life until they've prayed the prayer. And once they've prayed the prayer, then we say, okay, we'll follow up you." Well, with you. Well, the the, the concept of a person of peace says that God is already working and we have to draw them to himself um, through a, a relationship even before they accept Christ, which of course we know is biblical. It's a journey. It's, it's a, a process. And so that process um, we have to embrace and we also have to have f- the freedom, I think, to feel like we can engage with these people at a, at a level that is comfortable, that allows God to continue drawing them and to begin using us as we do sports, recreation, and fitness activities.
0: And that's playing much uh, more in detail book in our Institute of Sports Outreach series. Uh, So if you want more of that, it's there. David, any last word before we go to
2: Dan? Just the uh, one thought that I had on this last subject is that there are numerous examples in the scriptures where God used someone that was not an Israelite, was not a follower of Christ to help present the gospel, to help keep his message going. So the more the merrier. You can't pray for God to give you leadership and then run them through some kind of filter. You, you take who God gives you, and, and you train them, you help them, you grow them. And um, your sports ministry will benefit from that. Thank you. Last
0: thing, Dan, for me, is that if anybody wants to recommend someone that we could invite to these in the future, please either text or email that to us or put it in the chat room right now. Put an email and a name of somebody that we should add to this list. Please do that, we're gonna, we're gonna remain on the call just a little bit after everybody hangs up and we'll take that and, and we wanna
1: make sure we're getting the word out as best we can. Dan? Absolutely. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us uh, here today for our Tuesday talk. As a reminder, uh, this will be out on social media uh, probably within the next week or so, is that right, Andrew? T- typically it's the next week or so, I think. Yeah, it'll be out, uh, next Wednesday around noon. And actually, um, it will not be on the CSRM page. Instead, we've actually just recently added a new Facebook page for our resources department. Um, it's overwhelming victory resources. If you search that on Facebook, you'll be able to find it. Um, that's also where you will find all of our future podcast episodes. And also we want to let you know that we have finally gotten everything approved and you can now subscribe to the CSRM podcast through Apple podcasts as well. Great clarification. So, um, if you want to pass this on, sorry.
4: Yeah, no, Dan, I just wanted to give a a word of encouragement if I could, as we close whenever.
1: Okay. Um, Um, just, yeah, just one,
4: one final thought um, that comes from 1 Timothy 6.12. It's that word agone again. Fight, strive the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were, when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is a battle, guys. We're in this this pandemic, this time. So keep striving, keep fighting and hold true to what God has called you to do and be faithful in that. And with limited resources, just gives God the great opportunity to respond and to be even more faithful, to uh, depend on him, to lean into him, to trust him, and to, to keep fighting as Paul admonishes us to. So thanks for being on the call guys. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Uh, that's a great word and a great way for us to end. And. Again, use these resources that are listed here that have been mentioned, as Andrew just shared, uh, the things that will be archived. Uh, pass that on to people who need to be encouraged. Pass it on to your senior minister, your, your senior pastor. If, if you are, are a part of a church that you, know, you, you sense, hey, we, we could do more, uh, maybe this would encourage your, your pastor. And so these resources are for you. Uh, we will again take July off. We'll meet again in August. Uh, just kind of keep an eye on our social media and our newsletters for more information about that. I'll close us in prayer. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for our presenters. Thank you, David. Thank you, PF. Thank you, Bradley. I'll, I'll pray for us and then we will go our separate ways here. Father, you are good. And thank you, Lord, that your son Jesus transformed our world with limited resources and has as has been said several times uh, during our talk here, Father, we look at that as a negative, but, Lord, it can be a positive. Uh, it allows us to to partner. It allows us to be more agile. Uh, we think about Jesus with those 12 men and, and really his closest three, and, Lord, what that started uh, within our world, this movement of Christianity, and, Father, we pray that we would leverage everything that we do have and potential partnerships, and, Father, as Bradley shared, uh, Lord, before we ever do anything, that we would just pause and pray and seek your will. And God, give us eyes to see what is right in front of us, the resource of people, the resource of opportunity, uh, the, the resource of partnerships. Lord, so that we can leverage um, sports and recreation and fitness ministries to, to reach people, to build them up, to grow them in your word and father so that we could transform lives Um, i pray for each person on this call Uh, lord thank you for people and the churches that they represent father the country that they represent thank you lord that your church is global and it's beautiful and uh, father we are just excited as you continue to use us and people that we minister to in mighty ways father as we go our separate ways bless us give us wisdom keep us safe uh, Lord, as PF just said, help us to, uh, to strive, uh, Lord, with you uh, and just to have the opportunity we have to every single day walk with you. Tuesday Talks are a production of CSRM and their video production house, Overwhelming Victory
0: Flicks. Dr. Greg Linville is our executive producer, and Andrew Fouts is the associate producer. To find out more about Tuesday Talks or to join our next discussion live, visit overwhelmingvictory.org backslash Tuesday Talks. To find out more about Cool Spring Baptist Church, visit coolspring.org. And to learn more about CSRM, visit csrm.org.